0: Welcome to episode 37 of Mancy, a podcast about magic and the wild shit people did with it. <laughs> In each set of episodes, we cover a different Mancy or method of magic. I'm RJ Walker. I'm a spoken word artist and writer. With me is my co-host L.
1: I'm L Alder, a professional psychic and solitary eclectic witch.
0: Last week we began our coverage of crystal balls, but more specifically, crystal gazing, as a ball isn't totally necessary. Uh, it's just like the coolest to have a ball. <laughs> it just looks cool, and it's and it's the most like culturally prevalent. When you think of like psychics and fortune tellers, mm-hmm. you think of crystal balls. We discussed the Druids and then the Christians after them and their relationship to crystal balls and magic rocks. Uh, we also discussed the dangers of leaving a crystal ball uncovered or serious. <laughs> for serious. For really real, Don't do that. It's be a, very it, careful. It's a, it's a fire hazard. <laughs> don't do that. Um, while we also uh, discussed Bloodstone and some of the pop culture connected to crystal balls like the Palantir in Lord of the Rings. And Elle did a reading with her personal old crystal balls uh, but now we're going to talk about some you know some other cultures that uh, used crystal balls for magic or at least we said they used crystal balls for magic um, and we're also <laughs> going to talk about some notable crystal ball users uh, so that's yeah. most of it is going to be talking we're going to talk about these crystal ball users i'm so
1: excited it's
0: wild um okay The druids might have been the earliest recorded use of crystal balls, but there is a good chance that its use predates Pliny the Elder's writings. And other cultures, like the Iroquois, uh, have crystal gazing practices that might go back farther. Uh, We don't know. Uh, But Pliny the Elder's writings are the oldest written account. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the most notable users of crystal balls is John Dee. And... Mm -hmm some famous stage magicians from the 19th and 20th century. So buckle up, we're going even deeper into cristallomancy, divination by gazing into a crystal ball. Thing with the crystal balls is that it's like it's so prevalent in like fortune telling and magic that everybody says everybody has crystal balls.
1: But also they don't, and no one really reads with them. Yeah, like people don't really scry anymore. It's very very rare. I don't think I've ever had a reading from someone that was a legit reading that was scrying.
0: I've ever. I've, I've seen a lot of TikToks that are like how to scry. Um, on, on, how do they? On how Talk? do you scry on witch M- Talk? Well, it's it's less of like this is how to scry. This is more like this is what you do when you want to scry. A lot of it is like candle magic and scrying the wax. It's like okay. when you're done with your magic candle, you can, you can just you can look, look
1: at the look pictures at the, and the, the things. Yeah. yeah, or
0: like this is a, a form of geomancy. We're gonna throw these rocks in some sand and see what happens. You know? Yeah. Um, but the the crystal ball thing. Uh, Everybody's like, everybody did crystal ball reading. And it wasn't crystal balls, it was actual crystals. Yeah, I
1: didn't know that either, actually. Uh,
0: The crystal, the balls just came from the druids. So, Hmm. yeah. Uh, First, though, I'd like to discuss the use of a crystal ball in stage magic. So, stage magic. In the late 1800s, a husband and wife duo were astounding audiences with incredible feats of psychic power. <laughs> okay. It's, it's legit. Okay. You know, it's, it's pretty legit. Um, okay. Their names were Julius and Agnes Zansig. Okay. And they were known for their telepathy act. Oh. It was like a big deal. Uh, Here's like one of the things that that they would do in their act. It's like one of their their mainstays, their bread and butter. Um, So uh, Julius would request a suggestion from an audience, like write down something that is red, you know, something Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, And Agnes would walk into the crowd with a pen and pad and just ask a random audience member to write down whatever object came from the suggestion. And Julius would usually have his back turned uh, during, during this, uh, mm-hmm. or his, his head covered and Agnes would be careful to like, make sure the audience knew that Julius could not see the person writing, mm-hmm. uh, what they were writing on the paper. And then it would put in the envelope and, uh, Julius would, you know, would talk though. He would say like, are you ready? Or has it been written? Uh, and then he would gaze into, uh, a crystal ball and Agnes would reply, you know, and be like, uh, he's, he's writing it right now or, um, okay, it's written. And then he would turn to his crystal ball and he'd be like, I'm going to find it in my crystal ball. I know what you wrote. Okay. Um, and when the, uh, uh, Agnes had the envelope. She would, like, put it in her pocket or put it on a table in front of the audience so that the audience would see Mm -hmm. that uh, Julius could not manipulate the envelope or see its contents in any way. And every single time, without fail, Julius knew what was written in the envelope with his crystal ball. Okay. So, riddle me this L. How did they do it?
1: Well, if you say write down something red, everyone's going to write down an apple.
0: No, that's not how he did it. (laughs) Close How? That's part of it. That's that's basic um just, mentalism. Yeah. Yeah, basic mentalism.
1: mentalism. Yeah. I don't know how.
0: Uh one more guess. I want you to have one more guess. Um
1: He they had to have some sort of secret, didn't they? Like the husband and wife. That is how stage magic works. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. I See, listen, here's the thing about stage magic. I love it. I want it to be magic. I don't want to think about how it happens. I just want to be like, wow, this is so cool.
0: So the answer uh, of what is written in the envelope is actually hidden in the banter and questions they ask back and forth as the person writes inside the envelope.
1: Ah. The
0: banter is actually an elaborate code. Julius Mm -hmm. would set the context for what the object would be, just like you said, Mm -hmm. you know, you say write down something red, people are probably going to think, you know, Apple. apple. And Agnes would be able to see or at least watch the pen of the person and and get an idea of what some of the letters are and know what it is. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when Agnes would reply – uh, she would give a specific reply with s- carefully chosen words. The words spoke to Julius each had specific symbolic meaning meaning hidden in them. For example, starting a sentence with a vowel might mean one thing. The amount of space between each word might mean something. It's super, super complex.
1: Oh, wow. So it was like a whole language.
0: Yeah, it was like a whole language that wow. they invented uh, within, within English.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: code... Uh, hidden in this banter is called the Zansig Code after them.
1: That's cool. Yeah,
0: in the late 1800s and early 1900s, they were the best of the best. Nobody could figure it out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Nobody. Nobody had figured out the Zansig Code. However, the Zansigs themselves did reveal it. They fooled every single debunker and had the highest respect in magician circles. Mm-hmm. The Zansigs eventually retired. Sort of. They continued doing psychic crystal ball readings for private clients, but that's more like traditional psychic work and not stage magic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eventually, Julius revealed the secret to his friend and fellow magician Harry Price, who said, The Zanzig's performance took years of study to perfect, and several hours of practice daily were needed to keep the performers in good form. I have the Zanzig's code in my library. Uh... And know the hard work that both Mr. Julius Zanzig and his wife put into their act, a, ma- a matter which I have discussed with Mr. Zanzig himself. Mm. So Harry Price was like, so that's the answer? That's fucking hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mean it was an actual skill that you had to develop yeah. over time? Like, yeah, And they it had is. to
0: practice every single day because it was so complex.
1: Uh-huh. Because yeah. you
0: needed to be able to, like... Have a code you have to decipher, for, for yeah. anything red.
1: Mm-hmm. Fire hydrants. And, yeah. yeah, like flowers and roses. Yeah, God.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, painstaking. Of course, uh Harry spilled the beans, but he wasn't the first. And I'm pretty sure that like Julia Zansig, he's like retired. He's like, you know what? We put so much fucking work into this if to you have the secret die with <laughs> us. You know, we've got yeah. to tell somebody, right? Um, so Harry Price, their homie, he spilled the beans, but he didn't reveal the whole code. He just... Said that there was a code. Okay. Another magician, Alexander, the man who knows.
1: That's what I want to be known as. That's his magician name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He actually revealed that the Zanzigs were using the code first because they told him Mm -hmm. Um, and he actually revealed part of the code in one of his books, which like,
1: boo. Yeah. Uh, Of course,
0: that part of the code that he revealed was useless without the other parts. Yeah. But Alexander, the man who knows, (laughs) is the next stage magician that I want to talk about because he used a crystal ball in his act as well.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: That was one of his big things. While the Zanzigs had come up with just a really good trick Mm -hmm. and put a lot of work into it, Mm -hmm. Alexander, the man who knows, relied on the tried-and-true classics and over-the-top showmanship. He's credited for inventing several electrical stage effects that pioneered the stagecraft that we do today. So that's cool of him, I guess. Uh, He also wore over-the-top costumes. And by over-the-top, I mean over-the-top racism. Uh, He would dress as a Chinese wise man or like a Sikh Hindu with a turban. He wasn't a white man. From like South Dakota, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's very Arc. nauseating. It's very yeah. very nauseating. The Zanzigs were all about perfecting their craft and their tricks, and Alexander was all about perfecting his marketability. Yeah. The other thing he pioneered were his posters. Um, for the early nineteen hundreds, his chromolithographic posters were extremely eye-catching. Uh, one reads in like st- the striking like Art Deco font, Alexander. Crystal seer sees your life from cradle to grave and shows like a skeletal hand holding a crystal ball. And in the crystal ball is a scene of somebody being born, growing up and dying. It looks straight out of Bioshock. I shit you not. It looks straight out of Bioshock.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, His
0: posters encapsulate the Art Deco style of the early 1900s. And they're honestly – he's a piece of shit. But like – the the his, posters, his posters are, are pretty great. His yeah. posters are pretty good. Um, Even if his act featured some disgusting cultural appropriation and <laughs> yeah. other bullshit.
1: That's, like, the issue with so much of, like, spiritualism happening at the same time as, like, the World's Fair and stuff. Is like, a lot of what spiritualism is known for is stuff that's, like, fucking defunct. That people are like, this is not a thing that we should have done. And I feel like spiritualism... Okay, this is a tangent. I feel like spiritualism has gotten... Um, Kind of people have that same perception of it because it was so associated with cultural appropriation and genocide of cultures while they were, like, yeah, stealing them for profit, which is cultural appropriation. But it's fine. Do you want to ring the bell?
0: Yeah, we'll we'll hit the...
1: Hit the bowl. This is the first one.
0: That was our first bowl.
1: I know. (laughs) First bowl is
0: the best bowl. Um. Alexander's act was very similar to the Zansigs, but with some differences. He would do the thing where the audience member writes something down and keeps it in an envelope uh, based on a suggestion. Alexander would gaze at a crystal ball and describe the things taking shape in the crystal ball. And while his technique was never technically revealed, it's assumed that he was using a form of cold reading. Mm. Uh, As he described what was in the crystal ball, he would glance at the corner of his eye, the mark's reaction, and see how it would change, and then say something else, and watch the reaction of the mark to see if he was getting closer or further from the answer, and eventually the answer would materialize in his crystal ball what was written in the envelope. Mm -hmm. Uh, Honestly, uh, I'm kind of like in this camp of the theory of, like, how Alexander's act went, that it was just, like, cold reading, you know?
1: I feel like cold reading is, like, not even difficult to learn. If you're vaguely empathic, you can do it, you know? Yeah.
0: The man who knows your facial tics. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Uh and the reason that I that I honestly believe this is how he was doing it is because he had a reputation as a con man and a grifter. And one of the best like if you're a good grifter, you you, know how you to have cold to cold read. read. You yeah, have you, to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh in an interview with Alexander the man who knows family, <laughs> uh they told the interviewer that he had been married 7 times.
1: Jesus. And
0: suggested that to more than one woman at once several times um, wink a biographer later uh, discovered that he had been married at least 11 times and then in a later interview with one of his sons 17. when they were much older <laughs> it was revealed that he was married 14 times hell it might have been more <laughs> because, or maybe
1: not at all <laughs> yeah
0: who knows how many marriage certificates he had were fake or how many people yeah, he lied to um, saying oh yeah this this broad she's my wife uh <laughs> yeah yeah Dude, Alexander died with his secrets, I feel like. Oh, yeah. He definitely kind of wanted to die with his secrets. Yeah. Uh, On several occasions, he told people that he was involved in a gunfight in Alaska where (laughs) (laughs) – this is where it gets wild.
1: So, Alaska was not a state at this time. I just want to note that. Yeah, okay. So
0: he was involved in a gunfight in Alaska where a famous Alaska Gold Rush con man had like, died in this gunfight. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that he was there <laughs> beyond his <laughs> own, own bullshitting. Uh, he, he would also grift people, extort money, and blackmail them. I mean, he could use cold reading to uh, uh, and show that he was a psychic and then, like, threaten to reveal secrets uh like psychic that he obtained psychically uh, or get people to reveal details about a dark secret that they have without them realizing it and then blackmail them <laughs> to not yeah. reveal the secret. Yeah. So don't use your powers for evil. Uh because <laughs> he definitely did. Uh, yeah. He spent time in jail <laughs> over this. Yeah. And he broke out of jail, actually. He committed a jailbreak in Oklahoma. And finally. He ended up in federal prison after attempting to extort fifty thousand dollars from a rich oil baron. This way, <laughs> it gets better. You
1: know what? If you're gonna go down, this this is how this is how. I know. You fuck. Do it. If you're
0: gonna con people, con fucking Jeff Bezos. Yeah, con, when he con doesn't the matter. R- con ruggers. yeah,
1: con five million dollars from him. Like fuck it. He will never know it's missing. He won't.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> this is this is where it gets even better. Uh, after this, he attempted to outrun the authorities in a high powered speedboat <laughs> load... <laughs> Oh my God He attempted to outrun the authorities in a high-powered speedboat loaded with bootleg liquor from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. In prison, he bragged about killing four men, including the dude in Alaska, uh, though no proof of this exists. Yeah. <laughs> After his time in prison, he he decided to get a good old honest job. Uh, going back to stage magic, and he also set up his own, like, private psychic practice like the Zanzigs did. Near the end of his life, his posters had become famous collector's items because they were just so good. Mm-hmm. So he would sell off the extras he kept of each poster. Play in the long game, fellas. Play yeah. in the long game. Yeah. If you make a dope poster, you got to keep a few for yourself <laughs> so that you can sell them later for retirement. I should be
1: holding on to all of the iterations of my business cards. i <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> be selling them later on. Yeah.
0: Alexander. Crystal Seer, that was his other stage name, uh, also spent his time debunking psychic medium X, and then writing these debunks in his books and selling them. Uh, His bread and butter was also his own like books. While his debunking books showed him to be skeptical, his other books were all about exploring spiritualism and the occult. So like he's a bit of a hypocrite here, but – Well,
1: but I mean – is that not me bitching about on the Medium um, episode that we did when that woman was like, you're not helping anyone. You're not a psychic. Go the fuck away. And you're like, oh, she's dead. And oh, I'm the, like, okay, well, that's fine. The
0: psychic detective Yeah. But I'm just like,
1: fuck you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, like, do I believe it? Yeah. But also, how often do you find just like the wackest spiritual shit? And you're like, look at this. And I'm like, all right, this is some bullshit, though. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: And I mean, that's, I get it. that's kind of what he was doing where yeah. he was like, what they're doing is knocking under the table because I'm a state magician, I know these tricks.
1: Well, right? yeah. And, and I'm sure he did.
0: He, he's clearly quite the grifter uh, because he's not dead. Um, <laughs> right. How can you? Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> he, not, he was in a position where he had a high-powered speedboat full of bootleg liquor to run from the police. Yeah, This guy was a pro. <laughs> yeah.
1: Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so his other books, they were all about you know, exploring the occult, and he literally wrote the book on crystal gazing hmm. and promoted the crystal ball as a tool for connecting with spirits and angels. The book was called Crystal Gazing, Lessons and Instructions in Silent Influence with the Crystal, written especially for and dedicated to members of the Crystal Silence League.
1: Crystal Silence League,
0: huh? Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to keep looking into yeah, it. I, I was fine. like, I, there are other things I want to talk about. Yeah. And I want to go down oh, this fucking rabbit hole. What the fuck a Crystal but, Silence League? Yeah,
1: is? we'll have to look at it some other time. It's
0: probably some bullshit secret society that, mm-hmm. like, existed and then didn't. Um,. Or did it ever go away? You never know. Yeah, you don't. Uh, so this dude had quite the checkered legacy. <laughs> he pioneered electric stage technology, but his acts were terribly racist. His posters were culturally influential and they defined an era and put the crystal ball into our pop culture conscious. But he was also a womanizing con man who lied about being a murderer. So cool story, bro. But fuck you anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
0: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And that brings us to the Extra Spell, brought to you by us. Patreon.com slash Mansi is where you can support the show and get access to exclusive Mansi content. Uh, The Extra Spell is going to be all about Crystal Skulls. And you have a massive collection of Crystal Skulls, Al.
1: I definitely don't have a massive collection.
0: If you have more than five crystal skulls, it's a massive collection. Like, if you have more than five Funko Pops, like, you've got a collection.
1: You I, you should see some of the people that I know and their collections of crystal skulls. Because mine is just, like, little baby ones I found along the way.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tell you why you found these along the way and why everybody just amasses large quantities of crystal skulls. Okay. Because it's, like, a big part of art culture for some reason. I told you. I... Yes, and tell tell us why hell.
1: Um because skulls are heads and heads have brains in them. And so when you have a crystal and it is carved into a skull, you are accessing and gaining basically um access to that information that the skull has that is contained both in the crystal as well as infinite knowledge. And so when you have crystal skulls, when you're a reader, a lot of times they have names and they will have personalities and you can sit with them and they exchange information between them. Like at one of the shops I used to work at, we would all bring our crystal skulls in and we would like have them sit and have a council. And then we would take our skulls home because they got information from other skulls. And so I have mine and I often read with them on my table Or I have them on my desk because they help provide information, basically.
0: I'm sure that symbolism is very real and very important. (laughs) So the legend goes that – Ancient Mesoamericans of, like, pre-Columbian area, like Mexico, the Aztecs, the Mm -hmm. Incas, uh, and also, like, Native Americans, used these skulls in death magic rituals. And skulls trapped the spirits and minds of Aztec sacrifices. The Incas connected them to their death god. And (laughs) Just kidding. It's all fake. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So in the late 1800s and early 1900s, there was a fascination with ancient societies. Mm-hmm. Like we, we listened to that Michael Crichton book. Oh, what was it called? The Dinosaur Bone Year, Book.
1: or... Um, Not Eaters of the Dead. It was Dragon Teeth.
0: Dragon's Teeth, right? So same thing was happening as with... What happened with Dragon's mm-hmm. Teeth and dinosaur fossils was happening with artifacts of ancient cultures mm-hmm. where they were worth lots of money to museums and science. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially... Especially Mesoamerican society because the conquistadors picked that shit clean. And
1: because they all thought everything was made of gold when like in Tulum um, – because I got a – when I went to Tulum, I went on like a spiritual thing and I got a little uh, onyx knife that I use for – clearing energy, and when you hold it in the light, it shines gold. And so pe- fucking stupid-ass condo- conquistadors were like, it's all covered in gold. And I'm like, bitch, it's onyx. It's fucking black glass. Like, it's not anyway. Fucking people.
0: Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, that made it kind of problematic for yeah. getting era, uh, artifacts from Mesoamerica because they were scattered <laughs> everywhere.
1: Because they'd been stolen. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and so the demand for them was really really high they were worth a lot of money this led to the fraudulent artifacts known as crystal skulls
1: have you heard of max the crystal skull are you going to talk about him
0: uh which which one because max from from what i don't know maybe you can talk about it
1: how can you talk about crystal skulls and not talk about max
0: i I, I don't know what i'm missing (laughs) like a pop culture <laughs> thing. I don't know.
1: I think maybe I'm going to write a bonus little thing. We'll put it on Patreon about it.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so the legend of the crystal skulls grew more and more. And there were just like layers getting stacked on of like, oh, these were used in death magic r- rituals. Oh, these unlock secret knowledge. Oh, these were used for scrying. Oh, these were used for this, this and that. Uh, and like it just grew and grew and grew. This legend got huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and – it exploded in 1870 when an antiques dealer had assembled a very large collection of these crystal skulls, claiming a lot of them were from Spain. Were brought from brought the from yeah, yeah, and
1: they found these, and no one ever carved these crystal skulls, and they are ancient. And no, they're fucking yeah. not. The entire yeah.
0: collection was purchased by a wealthy anthropologist and donated it to the uh, Trocadero museum in Paris.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> um, it's probably a French word. I said like a Spanish yeah, word. Yeah, you
1: did. Well, in a Italian something. Yeah, Whatever.
0: When news of these crystal skulls from like pre-Columbian America spread and how much they paid for them, uh, oh, yeah. all kinds of people suddenly had a crystal skull. <laughs> That they'd recovered from an archaeological dig site. That they went
1: somewhere. Yeah, yeah. it was like
0: a mysterious family heirloom that was given to their pilgrim ancestors by the Indians.
1: So I do want to clarify. Is this a good point for me to like pop in and talk a little bit about this? Sure. Okay, so the crystal skulls that I have are not the crystal skulls that you were talking about. The crystal skulls that I have are skulls that are cut out of crystal. That's it. Like they're just – they're crystal that people cut away to make them skulls. That's all they are. But these crystal skulls in in particular and specifically are um, quartz. They're pure quartz. So that's like with crystal balls. Um, they're really expensive, regular old – huge crystal balls are fucking glass. They're not made out of crystal. In order to get a perfectly clear piece of quartz that's the size like a 12-inch ball, that will be many thousands, probably $5,000 to get one like that. I mean, it's like very, very hard to find them. So these crystal skulls in specific are talking about crystal, perfectly clear quartz. And um, they say like max is a very famous crystal skull that was probably part of that um, acquisition. And they say, oh, we don't know where he came from. He appeared from extraterrestrial places and was brought down into the sand. And then we found him because – and that's probably not fucking true. And so they've done a lot of, like, scientific research on these skulls to be like, okay, if this is really ancient, like how did ancient people have the technology to make it perfectly, you know, like a skull? And – they're not fucking ancient. It's not the thing. Anyway, um, Max is a crystal skull that travels around. He has a care a handler or a caretaker who travels with him. You know that crazy conspiracy anti-masker that got kicked out of the beans and brew? Yeah. Her. Um, so she hosts Max whenever he comes to Salt Lake City. And people pay, I want to say it's like 50 bucks for 15 minutes. And you pay money to go sit in front of him and apparently get like downloads or some shit. So I have see, my crystal skulls. I, I have skulls. no idea about this. No, this is a thing. That's why I was like, "You don't know about Max? Oh yeah, this is a thing. Like people pay a lot of money to see Max when he comes, and it's like, yeah. Anyway, my crystal skulls are just fucking crystal skulls because I like the kinds of crystals that they are, and they're cool, and it freaks fucking people out. And then when I get shitty men coming to my table and bothering me because they think I'm pretty, I'm like, fuck off. Like I have all these skulls. Do you really want to talk to the skulls? Anyway.
0: And also, I'm not saying that the magic and symbolism with the crystal skulls is not important.
1: Right. It is. But like –
0: I am I am giving the genuine history of I know. this very wild point in our in, in our history. We have to look up stuff about
1: max. I have a book on crystal skulls that we might have to look at. It's it's wild.
0: So, uh, back to what the fuck was happening with these crystal <laughs> skulls in the 1800s and early 1900s. This lasted a long time. Mm-hmm. Right? People were all about like, "Oh my god, you have a crystal skull. I don't know how much it's worth. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll buy that from you." It was literally cryptocurrency. <laughs> the crystal skulls yeah. were straight up cryptocurrency. Yeah. Uh, they were just this manufactured fake money that people would buy and trade and hopefully try to sell to museums mm-hmm. to get their money's worth. But the more the museums had, the less they were worth. Uh, so it was its own sort of weird investment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people were buying them and selling them and trading them. And the actual value always up and down. Uh <laughs> And uh, there was also like several fake obsidian mirrors mm-hmm. as sold as as part of this as yeah. well. Um, and while the Aztecs genuinely had and used obsidian scrying mirrors uh, and real ones were like genu- genuinely recovered from archaeological sites, fake obsidian scrying mirrors were sold at a premium.
1: So remember when you asked me... When we did the um, Catoptromancy episode where we talked about uh, mirrors and you were like, yeah, did you ever see like magic stuff being sold like the mirror at like a psychic fair? And I was like, no, here's a good rule. If it's fucking real, they aren't trying to get rid of it. That applies to Crystal Skulls too. (laughs) I promise you they're not trying to sell it if they have the ancient artifact, you know? (laughs) They aren't. They're just not.
0: And uh, so there are crystal skulls in the British Museum. Totally fake. Um, And and several museums in Paris that feature the indigenous works of Africa, Asia, and the Americas. Why don't we just give them back to where they came from? The crystal skulls? Yeah. Uh, Because they're exactly where they came from. (laughs) Because they're fake. (laughs) And they fucking deserve it. That's true. (laughs) That's funny. They fucking deserve it. It's uh, true. <laughs> you don't like getting, you don't like getting stolen from when it happens to you, huh? Right. Huh, yeah. huh British Museum. Yeah, fuck uh, you. <laughs> there's also one in the Smithsonian. In fact, it's still on display today. Modern analysis has discredited every single one of them. Yep. All of them were carved with modern tools. Crystal mm-hmm. skull trading and selling continued through the 1900s and in 1967 the British Museum was like there are too many crystal skulls.
1: These cannot all they have. Cannot all yeah.
0: <laughs> be real. So they started investigating every single one that came to them, just under a total microscope, mm-hmm. um, and ended up like not buying anymore because they were <laughs> able, why. able to determine that the ones being sold to them were fake. And then they were like, "Wait a minute! Hold on! We haven't investigated the ones that we bought." <laughs> I would just in like ignore 1870. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I'd be like, no, I don't oh, want to know. No. But
0: these are scientists, right? They have to know. Uh, so... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so they were like, oh, some of them are probably fakes, right? You know, just given the amount that we have, you know, we were, we were less careful back then. So let's take a look. Um, yeah, every single one they tested was a fake. including, yeah. Including the one that they thought was the most authentic from the Conquistador collection. <laughs> And when they when they investigated, they realized that none of the skulls came from verified dig sites. None of the skulls came from an actual archaeological no. dig site, and zero archaeological dig sites found a crystal skull. Yeah, no. Uh, so, like, and under analysis, they found that the skulls were carved with modern jeweler's tools.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: they would reinvestigate in 1992, and then again in 2004. Every single crystal skull they looked at was a fake.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: In 1990, the Smithsonian received a new crystal skull. It was donated anonymously to the Museum of Natural History. But it was from the collection of Porfilio Diaz, a Mexican general and politician from the 1800s. By then, the Smithsonian was more convinced that, you know, they were like, these are all fake. Yeah. They they
1: knew. By 1990,
0: they were like, these are all fucking fake. Yeah,
1: that's not real. Uh,
0: But – it was still like from this guy's collection, so you gotta check, right? Yeah. You gotta, you gotta check. Uh, and they tested it anyway and found that it was made recently with modern <laughs> Dremel equipment. But then they were Fuck. like, you know what? Let's put this shit on display anyway. You see, this story of the crystal skulls yeah. itself is it's now history. history. Yeah. <laughs> It so is. we're in this fucking simulacrum meta, here. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they put it on display in the Museum of Natural Fakes, uh, oh. displaying the whole story about crystal skulls and how they uh, fooled museums and archaeologists for decades and were a weird cryptocurrency in the 1800s and early 1900s.
1: Dude, RJ was like ready to blow my mind with this. And I was like, oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. People and they're fucking – I don't know. I don't know. But that's not where this ends. Uh, Even though we know crystal skulls are fake, uh, that hasn't stopped the rumors that they are cursed or haunted. Um. Uh, In fact, they appear all over pop culture. And I'm sure Max, the traveling crystal skull or whatever the fuck, uh, (laughs) is feeding into this still today. Uh, (laughs) Whatever the fuck that was. Um, I think I'm going to try to look it up while you're doing this game. So, um, in fact... All in in pop culture, they're like, these are magical, rare artifacts. Like, there's a whole Indiana Jones movie about a crystal skull. Um, Look at how
1: much I typed in on that and what popped up.
0: Oh, there's a schedule. Yeah. There's like a tour. He's got tour dates.
1: Yeah, he's a, yeah.
0: God damn it. Why didn't I just have a career as a crystal skull? Um, We could.
1: We could. We could still do that.
0: (laughs) I don't know bone crystal, same thing. Or maybe we'll take all this like mansy shit we buy for the show, and we'll make our own little museum. Um,
1: There's a Facebook group that's fans of the of Max the Crystal Skull, and oh it has god. twelve thousand likes on it.
0: Oh my
1: god! Max that's the, more the, the Crystal Skull <laughs> skull brought an inspirational message to ISIS. Max <sighs> the Ancient Crystal Skull private sessions, Aquarian book private shop.
0: sessions. What do you do with it? Just like look into it?
1: Texas woman Joanne Parks talks to Crystal Skull and sometimes hears back.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to crystalskulls.com to find Max the Crystal Skull schedule.
0: See, all of this like shit that Have you seen what they look like? With these crystal skull cryptocurrency? Like everybody ended up with just huge amounts of crystal skulls. So like what do you do with them this now is... that they're now that your cryptocurrency is worthless?
1: So that's what Max looks like.
0: Okay. He just looks like a glass skull.
1: Kind of. Yeah. Let's see. Oh, there's a Uluru prophecy. Oh, wait. Oh, OK. Sorry, I clicked on something. It went away. Um, Rare crystal skull from Tibet named Amar. Yeah. Anyway. You, you know okay.
0: what? Max is not the first to get this treatment because I know of another crystal skull that got a similar treatment. In the 1920s. Yeah. So Anna Mitchell Walsh uh, was a woman who donated a notorious crystal skull in 1924 to the Smithsonian. She claimed one of the skulls like the, that she donated gave her visions by staring into it like a crystal ball. Okay. She also made other claims. Like the skull could cure cancer. That she killed a man by holding on to the skull and concentrating on him like the fucking death note. Um, (laughs) It's like, why do we keep bragging about being murderers? Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: I don't know what that thing is.
0: One time, she said she gazed into the eyes of the crystal skull and had seen a vision of the future. Specifically, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. (laughs) What? This is my magic crystal skull. I looked into it and I could have stopped the Kennedy assassination because I saw it, but I didn't know until it happened. This is pretty useless prophecy, Anna.
1: Max, caretaker. And they say, so I'm showing RJ a picture of this woman with her hand on top of Max's head. And there's just this like beam of light coming out of him. And that's what they say, like, is making him
0: magical. He's got an LED under him. <laughs> that's the thing. <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is, I'm done. Wait, I just can't believe you didn't find this. That is
0: clearly an. It's like he's on like a little stand so, that's covered with a cloth. Like there's yeah, clearly and it's an a LED light, under it. But
1: this says first visit with Max with a baby. Oh my god. Okay.
0: <laughs> I knew this crystal skull shit went deep. I didn't know it was still this relevant.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um let's see. Oh, we've loaded new mini max charge skulls to our eBay store. Go check them out. Ah! So they <laughs> Yeah, they have and so now they like take little skulls like the ones that I have and they put them in front of Max to have a transfer of energy and then they sell them because then you get a little piece of Max's and uh personality and shit.
0: Bro, how? <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. All right. Oh my god.
1: Yeah, we know how deep this goes. It's ridiculous. Uh,
0: This is like people touring with toast that has Jesus. Yeah, it is. But
1: it's Max the Crystal Skull. Oh my
0: god. Uh, So. So there have also been claims that crystal skulls have miraculously healed a person's wounds. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's no scientific evidence that it would. Uh, And there's also a historically unfounded conspiracy theory that there were once 13 genuine crystal skulls. All the others are frauds, but there were 13 13. real ones connected to the Mayan calendar ending in 2012 along with the world. If the 13 crystal skulls were reunited before the Mayan calendar ended, the apocalypse would be diverted. So maybe Max is one of the thirteen.
1: I can't. I have no idea. And, I just.
0: And maybe this, <laughs> that that Anna Mitchell Walsh's skull from 1924 that showed her the Kennedy assassination is one of the thirteen.
1: I see. I don't want to have visions like that. I don't <laughs> want that. No.
0: Uh, oh my god! This was wilder than I thought. Um, <laughs>
1: You did not know. Yeah. I did not
0: know about Max the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Oh, my God. I was, mm-hmm. I was too busy looking at history to look at the present. Oh, um. yeah.
1: It's, it's just still a thing. <laughs> like, people still fucking love them.
0: Uh, so this extra spell is brought to you by us. Patreon.com slash Mansi is where you can go to support the show and become a Stancy. As a supporter, you will get access to episodes as soon as we're done making them, so no more waiting for part two. And you'll also get access to exclusive Mancy content, like pictures and videos when we take them. Also, you'll have access to bloopers and mistakes and behind-the-scenes takes that get cut out of the regular episodes. That's Patreon.com slash Mansi. We're going to talk about John D. Ellen and I watched a documentary on him, and it was... Uh,
1: kind of. Yeah. We kind of watched it. Well, it was on in the background.
0: Yeah. It's, it was an <laughs> old History Channel special. It on, was. On YouTube. Alan Moore is like one of the guys yeah. doing the, like... The the consulting, you know, in the yeah. documentary, and just like cut to a guy who's like, I'm going to tell you what happened. Yeah. So they got Alan Moore, the famous comic book writer that we talked about in the alchemy episode. Mm-hmm. And he's basically the aliens guy, but except magic. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, John D. So it's the late 1500s and anything that requires complex thinking like math, alchemy and astronomy. Magic. We're, we're considered to be blasphemous black magic. Uh, however... Queen Elizabeth was just far more open-minded for the time, so she sought out the smartest person she could find to be her advisor, which seems like a reasonable and logical thing to do. Uh, that dude she found was John Dee, a certified genius, a polymath, an alchemist, and an astronomer. Because of massive Christian superstition, belief in angels and demons... I just bumped the whole table. Okay. <laughs> belief in angels and demons were everywhere invisible forces governed the earth and those forces could be understood if you were sick it was because a demon made you sick and if you got better it was because an angel got you better they didn't know about germs or antibodies they didn't know about atoms and electrons just holy and unholy and that was it
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: john d on the other hand was determined to understand and control the invisible forces that governed the world And Queen Elizabeth only saw this to her advantage. (laughs) She was like, that sounds like something a queen should have access to. Yeah. Uh, John D. had the resources and protection from her. He was able to study math, learn the stars, and look into the occult. And the occult research would get really, really, really occult Mm. when he meets up with a dude named Edward Kelly. John was seeing progress in astronomy. He was, like, learning new things about astronomy. Like, wow, wow, cool. He was making leaps and bounds in math. He was, like, learning new things about, like, math.
1: Mm -hmm. But he
0: never learned anything more about the occult. He desperately wanted to know how to speak to spirits, angels, demons, just anything. All John D. wanted was to know all the things.
1: That's all I want to know. That's all I want.
0: (laughs) Yeah. He's basically the Witch of Greed from uh, Re Zero.
1: Yeah, he was like – so in the documentary last night, it was like he was ready to sell his soul. And I was like – I feel like I would sell my soul because I don't really feel like that's possible. But he probably thought it was legitimately possible to sell your soul. Yeah. And therefore, like, like, was like, yeah, I'm this committed to knowing everything. Interesting. Uh,
0: Edward Kelly – uh, had a reputation for being a dark magician, a practitioner of black magic, a warlock, a drunkard. <laughs> he, he was going by the name of Ed Talbot by the time John D. met him because of a pending forgery charge.
1: Oh, no. <laughs>
0: <Oops>. <laughs> John had uh, worked with some scryers before, but he never found anything supernatural or special until Edward Kelly brought him a crystal ball. John D. would stare at it for hours, completely captivated and mesmerized. And then the profound experience he was looking for finally came. John D. saw angels in the crystal ball, Mm. glowing with white-hot suns behind their heads. Mm. The angels taught John D. and Edward Kelly the Enochian language. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's the language of heaven, the one spoken before Adam. Uh, The language Adam spoke is called Adamic, and that's another magic language. It's, you know, it's a different thing. But Enochian has its own grammar, punctuation, and syntax. It is a functional language. Uh, The language was reverse-engineered from phonemes and symbols that appeared to them in hallucinations as they gazed into the crystal ball. There's 23 letters total to it. Okay. And apparently you have to yell it, according to the documentary. Yeah. (laughs) Amiga moha. It, like, sounds like (laughs) troll language. <laughs> Where it's just normal English phonemes, but you yell them.
1: But you just, yeah, scream. Yeah. Yeah, uh,
0: Which, like, probably would be good for a metal band. I bet there are metal bands that have done Enochian. I'm um, sure, yeah. Quite positive there are. Uh, then the angels impart John D with a message. Go to the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Inform him that there are demons all around him and that John D. would need to go tell him. And then the emperor would agree to let John D. give him messages from the angels. Hmm. And this was basically fucking suicide. Um, you, you just don't, don't do that. Um, <laughs> the, the things that John D. was doing were considered heresy punishable by death. Uh, even Queen Elizabeth had begun to like distance herself from him because mm-hmm. uh, at this point he was like he was starting to lose it and he was getting in a little too deep, especially with Edward Kelly being a bad influence. Yeah. Um, and she was concerned for her reputation. So he, she was like, you know, what if I just put you over here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just over here. You um, know, that way. Like you're, you're still a smart man, but I I want you over there. Um <laughs> John D. was torn. He was like, do I obey the crystal ball angels and egg on the person who has the most authority to kill me on the spot and the most reason to? Or do I just not do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So John D. gets on his horse and heads to Prague to confront the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. Mm Okay. Of course. John Dee wasn't just damaging to Queen Elizabeth's reputation, she was damaging to his. If he wasn't accused of witchcraft and heresy, he was accused of being a spy for the English monarchy. Uh, so, So, like... It was a little rough going there yeah. for old John D. Still, he managed to get to Prague in one piece. And uh, even with his reputation as a spy and a warlock, he still had a reputation as being just the smartest dude. Um, so Emperor Rudolph granted him audience. He was like, let's see what this fucking... Let's see what this fucking has to say. Huh? Let's see what he has noid. to say. Yeah. Uh, so John... Uh, explained that the angels in the crystal ball... Uh, you see, well, you see, sir, Emperor Rudolph... <laughs> There's some crystal ball angels that sent me to warn you that you're surrounded on all sides by demons and shouldn't trust anybody. I know. Pretty crazy, right? Sounds like something that uh, you maybe shouldn't tell a uh, uh, very yeah. important uh, mm-hmm. political leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you can dispel those demons if you were to say, you know, take me, John D. as is the court magician of the Holy Roman Empire to do things that you think are blasphemy under your protection and payroll. And then I'll give you instructions from angels. Sounds legit. Anyway, John D. was laughed out of the audience chamber, uh, but at least he wasn't killed. Yeah, I know. I
1: can't believe he (laughs) didn't get murdered.
0: Yeah. It appears as though John D. was too valuable to kill because of his skill in alchemy. There were rumors that John D. and Edward Kelly were close to creating the Philosopher's Stone. And John D. (laughs) knew that this rumor existed, so he figured, well, the only way I'm going to get taken seriously is if I make the Philosopher's Stone. (laughs) Like probably actually, yeah. it's probably correct. Uh, yeah. So he and Edward Kelly got to work, and um, they even got some like noble sponsors, including one crazy motherfucker who was fascinated with anything occult and kept up a militia made up of uh, made up of entirely people with dwarfism.
1: Huh.
0: So, so anyway, uh, secure the bag, I guess, John D. Um. Uh,
1: You know, let's just, let's just, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going.
0: (laughs) But Dee wasn't interested in manufacturing gold. He believed communication with the angels held all the secrets of the universe, so he relied on Kelly to be his guide as a diviner. Then the angels in the crystal ball told Edward Kelly that their faith in them has to be tested. And what better way to do that than with wife swapping? Oh yeah, baby!
1: Wife, wife swapping. Yeah, the
0: angels are swingers. I think. You telling you. Yeah. And they're inviting you to the, to the sex have party. sex
1: with John D's wife.
0: Yeah, sexy time. Oh yeah, and John D hated every minute of this. Uh, in fact, he started to doubt whether these were angels or demons. But hey we're too far in now we're too deep now
1: I have like a weird I think I just feel weird about the fact that that was the thing for him that was too much like having sex with someone that is not your wife too much, just too much but I think it was actually more that his wife had sex with Edward Kelly, like yeah. I think that was the issue versus like John D having sex with someone else
0: but you know, it's adultery, it's taboo shit right and I guess tab- taboo shit feels magic uh, because, like, you're breaking but, a rule.
1: Like, I think I don't. I guess if someone came to me and said, "This is what we got to do to find to like make or find the the philosopher's stone," I would be like, "It just sounds like you want to have a good time and like you can just." say that like you could just be like hey uh are you interested in wife swapping like you don't have to think it's something magical and 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 i would not go through with it is the thing and
0: john d would say no and then edward kelly would be like Shoot! I should have manipulated. You. I should
1: have manipulated this harder. Yeah, I just find it really interesting. One that he went along with it. Two that he believed that was in any way, shape, or form magic. And three that that was that was the
0: final straw for and, him. And four that he was able to convince his wife to do this. Yeah,
1: I know. Like the I whole know. situation just know. seems. I feel like we're missing information. I'm going to be honest. I feel like there's some things that we don't know about this whole situation because it feels like that can't be the whole story.
0: Uh, right? Well, Dee begrudgingly did this and they had their tryst, but it sabotaged the relationship with Edward Kelly for John D. Yeah. And he was like, you know what? Ew. I think this might be bullshit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: So I he, wonder. So he returns home. Kelly keeps manufacturing gold, which was likely iron pyrite or fool's gold because you can make that as like a chemical compound. Mm-hmm. Um but he can't make unlimited quantities of it because of you know the laws of thermodynamics. Mm-hmm. And the uh, philosopher's stone would let you bypass that, I guess, if you actually had it. But yeah, he didn't. Don't. He didn't. Uh, so his life of luxury uh, with all of his noble sponsors didn't last much longer. He got thrown in prison for being a fraud, and he tries to escape from that prison, but then is killed in the attempt. The attempt. The attempt. The attempt. The attempt. He's killed trying to escape from prison. And then nine months later, John D.'s wife pops out Edward Kelly's kid.
1: Oh, I would kill him.
0: <laughs> He's already dead.
1: Yeah. And bring that bitch back. <laughs> I,
0: like, I would be you know so what? mad. I am going to figure out this medium ship. And yeah. And then I am going to kill you. <laughs> uh, oh,
1: my God. Poor John D. Like, th- that's like the worst thing. Also, um, you know, any sort. Of protection at all? So you're not like having – you know what? Okay.
0: So when he returned uh, to his home in England, he found that his house had been ransacked, his prized books stolen, his alchemical equipment also stolen or destroyed. His big assets were gone. So he went to Queen Elizabeth, the old homie, for help. And she was like, oh, so you fuck right off out of England and then try to make gold for me enemies, do you? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, well, the crystal ball angels made me do it.
1: (laughs) And now I am raising Edward Kelly's kid.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, well, I don't forgive you, but... Well, if it was crystal ball angels, what are you going to do about that? I still love you, you (laughs) rascal, but don't ever, ever, ever do that to me again or I swear I will cut you. Mm.
1: Um,
0: So on the condition that his alchemy only supported the English crown, he was named warden uh, at a university. The other professors hated him (laughs) because of his (laughs) blasphemous occultism and all the crazy shit he did. And also, he was probably smarter than them. Yeah. Um, but the tenure was just enough to support his wife and Edward Kelly's bastard until he died at age 81. Wow.
1: So,
0: yeah. Something we learned about the crystal ball, I guess, with the, with the research that was done on it, all the visions you get from it come from you. It's your desires, your fears, your memories, your dreams. So perhaps John D dreamed of being the court magician for the Holy Roman Empire. And so that's what he saw. And perhaps he feared Edward Kelly banging his wife. So that's what he saw. And maybe that's why the angels in the crystal ball showed him those things. In any case, the Anakian language and the advancements in math and science that John D. made have forever changed our world. Hmm. And now, let's do a reading with a crystal skull. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, L has lots of crystal skulls. Um, but I uh, really like this, like crystal skull legend. In creating, it's vodka, right? That comes in the glass mm-hmm. skull bottle. Yeah. So we have one of those bottles, uh, and I'm gonna put crystal light in it. <laughs> and I wish I had crystal Pepsi.
1: Yeah, that would be better. You're in right.
0: crystal Pepsi. L, <laughs> uh, are you ready for the next reading?
1: Um. Yeah.
0: Okay, I will prepare the Crystal Light Skull. All right, so L has the Crystal Skull Vodka Bottle. Uh, this one comes with a uh, twist-on lid. And a packet of Crystal Light uh, filled the Crystal Skull with water. Elle is going to add the Crystal Light. And it's Crystal Light Pure. Zero calorie. All right. Ten
1: calories per packet. Oh, never
0: mind. Ten 90% calories.
1: fewer calories than leading beverages. Wow. Tell me what the question is and I'll do the ceremony. <laughs> okay.
0: So this is for our, our Patreon supporter, Chelsea Brock. Uh, Chelsea Brock says, Is my career on the right path with the right company? Oh, okay. So here, here we go. <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Light.
1: <laughs> Admittedly, I laughed really hard when RJ was like, Should we do the skull with crystal light? I was like, Absolutely. There it goes. Okay.
0: Alright, um, now are you gonna are you gonna scry it like that or are you gonna shake it?
1: I'm gonna do a little bit of both, maybe. I'm gonna see.
0: So it's just like all collected at the bottom. There's like crystal if you don't know what crystal light is, it's Kool-Aid in little portable packets for adults where you can pretend that like this Kool-Aid is a health food.
1: <laughs> That's real. Okay, so first thing I get <laughs> It's just, like, it's a no, but it's um, on the way. Like, I don't feel like the company is the right company for you, but I I feel like there's a lot of changes coming with the company. Um, and it just feels like everything gets um, sorted out. I actually think that it's maybe not an issue with your company so much as, like your manager or your manager's manager like I feel like there's issues with people above you that um just don't really know what they're doing and aren't very good at their jobs but it feels like they're getting removed or put other places so it doesn't really matter for that much longer but there's like a little bit of (laughs) there's residual stuff from them where it just feels like um kind of them leaving will be really helpful and this feels like six months to a year from now and I actually think like whoever, whatever the reshuffling is and I feel like you could be part of that so I feel like there's an opportunity for you to move up in your career there as well but there's like residual stuff that is basically managers are bad but there are rules that they're following that won't change once they leave that could continue to be an issue so i feel like your career is the right career and i really like kind of the track and the projection that you have but i feel like the company is going to continue to be an issue for you there is opportunity for advancement but those like little residual pieces of things getting left over i say that because there's residual crystal light oh Um, So without getting left over, um, it feels like ultimately, I don't think that's the company you'll stay with forever. It feels like you might be there for like two or three years, if you kind of make it to the point of people leaving. But the thing that I was going to say is that everything feels very um, connected. So it feels like this is something that is kind of planned that one step and one step (laughs) or uh, everything in due course, right? So like, one foot forward, next foot forward. So it feels like you're on the steps getting to where you need to be. So this isn't your forever thing, but you're in the right place of doing the right things to put yourself in the right position. Does that make sense? I don't know. Reading this crystal skull is very weird. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It just is like, it weirdly like. It's a good color. It's psychic shop purple. <laughs> it is psychic
1: shop purple. It looks like a potion. This cute little guy. But like, yeah, the biggest thing with your career is like. No, this is not what you're this is not your forever, but yes, you're on the right track. So it's kind of weird because it's like, are you frustrated? Is it valid? Absolutely. Are there issues that are getting resolved? Absolutely. But this is also part of the path and part of the things that you're doing. So it's like, this is not your forever, but you're on the right track to finding where you need to be ultimately. Um, I am still concerned about the little residual pieces from your managers of like, whatever that is that you have issues with. It's not just the people. It's part of the like regulations and rules and like company culture that are the bigger issue. So Um, yeah, I would say you should, or I don't like shoulds, I would say it would be okay for you to stay there and plan on being there for the next couple of years, but then maybe start thinking about exit strategies and what might come after that.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, Chelsea, I hope that was useful for you. I hope the crystal light granted you the wisdom (laughs) of, uh, the ancient peoples who never, ever made crystal skulls. Um... (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it it looks cool though. I'm not gonna lie, like that that skull bottle with the purple liquid, in it does look pretty cool.
1: It does look very cool. And I know. It lo-
0: looks it looks delicious.
1: Um, I bet it is. It's great. I,
0: I bet you'd want to like add like whiskey to it, or not whiskey, uh, vodka, vodka. vodka to it. Um, <laughs> Dude, imagine just care. No, this is
1: some Mad Max shit. That like someone would do this, and this would be their flask for whatever wasteland weekend
0: shit. I, i think there was like a legend about vikings drinking out of skull cups uh yeah mm -hmm. um but you know i don't know if that's true i haven't done the research i have to do research to know things um unfortunate for you (laughs) uh yeah um anyway i hope that was that was helpful for you chelsea uh, hit us up on Patreon, and Elle will do a reading for you on the show using whatever divination method we're covering. Patreon.com slash Mansi. Also, if you like the show, please share with your friends. The more support we have, the more episodes we can make. If you like my writing, you can pick up books at rjwalkerpoet.com, and you can also come to TikTok, because apparently we do TikTok. <laughs> um, no, uh, that's a thing. Mancy Podcast on TikTok.
1: If you wanted to get a reading for me, you can find me on my Etsy, which is at Laurels of Lux. Um, if you listen to the previous episodes, there might be an offer code for you to get some money off for your reading.
0: Oh, it's now a secret because it's in a past episode. Now
1: you have to go find it. Yeah. I mean, it was in the the cheese and wine episode. So yeah. if you wanted to find it, that's where you can.
0: The music was provided by, in order of appearance, Hayden Folker, Arthi Vinka, Miyu and Scott Buckley.